Welcome and welcome all to the Pro Football Radio Podcast. This is your co-host, Jay Chima, with the pride and joy of Merrimack, New Hampshire, one to Puma. Love it. Love the intro. Love the high-pitchedness. Yes. That's it. It's everything I'm here for. Yeah. Listen, Thank you. Life's all about balance. You've got to have the big booming intro, but then you got to also take it down as well. Give the uh, the audience a little bit of both, right? Oh, yeah. You definitely got to hit the high-pitched notes. <laughs> well, we are back with podcast number 60. We have a great show planned for you guys. I think you guys will enjoy this one. Lots to cover. Um, simply to give you guys a quick rundown of the podcast itself. We'll do a couple of storylines that both myself and the Puma have picked up on from week two of the NFL season. Um, mine being a Patriots update and also Deshaun Watson. And then on your end, sir, what are your two storylines? <laughs> uh, the the day known as Black Sunday uh, in the NFL. Uh, just the massive rash of in, in, uh, injuries that occurred on Sunday, mostly in the 1 o'clock uh, game slate. And then uh, my takes on Drew Brees last night, because uh, what I saw didn't look pretty good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep, yep. So once we recap uh, week two, we'll jump right into week three and the big games of uh, of the slate. Um, we'll jump into, I believe it's Miami versus uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. We'll touch base on the Rams going to Buffalo, um, Dallas versus Seattle, um, New Orleans versus Green Bay, and then rounding it out. With the Monday Night Football game, Kansas City versus Baltimore. That should be a good one. Oh, yeah. Must, uh, must see TV. It's probably going to crush the ratings uh, that happened on, on Sunday night with Seattle and, uh, and New England. Because uh, I, I think that's going to be an instant classic, in my opinion. Yeah. And I, I think you're spot on. I'll be very interested to see what the ratings are for that Monday Night Football game. Because I've always been in the camp that Monday Night Football is obviously the the lesser of all three networks. They get the shittiest games, and Monday Night Football is always trying to make it better with some crap halftime shows or new crew members that provide you know um, commentary during the during the game. I think they're missing the bigger picture. The bigger picture is the games itself are pretty pretty mundane and pretty boring. I mean, that's always been the issue with Monday Night Football. For sure, uh, and I think. I don't know if maybe I mentioned this a while back in the off season, but I think when in this next round of TV deals, uh, I think uh, Mickey Mouse and Disney are going to try to have a, a greater seat at the table and get Monday Night Football on ABC so everybody can see it instead of just to have you know ESPN as part of their you know their their sports package. You know, it's funny. It's uh, I'm glad you brought up that point because I, I read this article the other day. I think it was I was on Bloomberg or something, and I was going through my morning articles at, at work. And you know, I was reading essentially the TV rights deals the NFL has signed with these major networks, and I was shocked at some of these numbers. Right? So CBS paid I think like a billion, Fox paid a billion, somewhere in that realm. Um, Monday Night Football paid 1.9 billion, almost double essentially what the other two networks were playing. And the, and the kicker out of all of this is Sunday Night Football didn't even pay a billion. They paid $900 million, And in my opinion, they have the marquee game. So I have no idea what ESPN is doing, paying almost double the premium at $2 billion. 
Um, but I, 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 don't, I don't know. I simply have no explanation. I mean, maybe it's the fact that you're on a different night. Maybe it's the fact that it's Monday Night Football and it's a legacy brand. Uh, I, I simply have no rational or reason for the fact they're paying double for shittier games. Right. Uh, I, I just think, it, but you know, my, my gut take is they pay the premium because, like you said, it's a legacy brand, and probably because. Not everybody has ESPN as part of their basic cable package. So the only way you're going to see that game, uh, it's a little easier now because streaming services are involved. I think YouTube TV just signed a, a, a deal with the NFL to, to stream some games on their platform. And Amazon has some games. But I think that's just Thursday Night Football. I think, like, like you said, legacy brand. And my thought, you have to pay for the cable. Oh, yeah, but is that really worth an extra billion dollars, though? Uh, so be- uh, to to be a sports network to have a seat at the table, it's, it's better than nothing. Mm. I think that was the, the the sum cost of what the ESPN executives thought of. But I think definitely in the next round of TV deals, you're gonna see Monday Night Football on ABC instead of ESPN. Hmm. Interesting. All right. So we'll, we'll see how that pans out. It looks like those deals are ending in 2022. I believe the ESPN deal is done a year before that 2021. So so we'll see how, how that rounds out. Um, mm-hmm. But let's, let's move into, we got so much football to cover. Usually we like to give you guys, you know, a couple stories, a little bit of background information on Jay Chima's life and Brandon Puma Silva's life. But we have so much to cover. Let's get right into it. Right, sir? Yes, sir. Let's get into this. All right. My number one storyline from the week two slate of games is, as always, a little bit of an update from my Patriots. Um, so the Patriots went up to New- uh, went up to Seattle, uh, lost thirty five thirty in in a pretty pretty amazing game to watch. Uh, it was riveting. I was on the end of my seat until the end of the game. Um, and let me start this before I actually get into the uh, the game itself. I-, I wanna I wanna throw this out there to the Patriots fans that are taking a a moral victory over a uh, a loss you know i've been hearing a lot of hey man listen i'm just glad we're in the game i'm glad that you know we showed up i'm glad we can hang with the seattle seahawks and it's funny how quickly in a span of one year we went from oh it doesn't matter who we play we're gonna steamroll them um to essentially this uh, taking a victory parade or i'm sorry a a moral victory just because we hung in the game now i bring that up because i i do truly believe if a fan base essentially starts to accept that moral victories are fine. That's when you lose your competitiveness, man. I, I've seen this with with Michigan, where they're just happy to be in the conversation. Oh, you know, well, we can't really beat Ohio State, um, but you know, we're, the fact that we're just around that picture is good enough for us. And I think that's just disgraceful. I think that's a clown show. I, I think that's kind of doing disservice to your legacy and your brand. And us as Patriots, we shouldn't we shouldn't take that. So that's just my little soapboxing that I wanted to get off my chest. <laughs> Because I'm sure you've seen it as well, right? I'm sure you've seen the, oh, I can't believe we, we hung around, you know? Like, what is that shit? What is yeah, that well, well, I mean, it's it's not really bullshit when you're going into the season. And, I mean, even you yourself, you're expecting, you know, a sub-500 uh, win-loss record. And, I mean, they went in there and they hung. They hung in this entire game. They had the lead at certain points. And nobody really expected that. Everyone, everyone thought that this was going to be the ultimate litmus test for New England after they steamrolled Seattle and they hung in the game and if maybe they used their timeouts a little bit more effective they could have capitalized on that Russell Wilson mistake of throwing on third and one instead of just taking the gimme one you know nothing's a gimme let let me get that right Mm -hmm. but like 
all you have to do is fall forward. Like, you have to fall forward. Chris Carson has to fall forward. You only need one yard. They have to burn timeouts, and you're still in the driver's seat to run the clock down. The, I'm I'm in the camp of, I was saying this as well to myself, that I was take, given a moral victory to do it because that kind of proves that they could hang with the big boys given this roster. I mean, Cam Newton threw for 300-plus yards with a, with a banged-up Julian Edelman and a guy named Bird. Uh, as the other wide receiver, I was I was thoroughly impressed in this game and the performance that New England did. Yeah, and that's fine. Listen, I, I if I was a Bengals fan, and if I was a Miami fan, or if I was a Washington Redskins fan, and I and I saw that we hung up there in Seattle, I'd be happy with that. Unfortunately, we're not. At the end of the day, I understand that we don't have Tom Brady anymore, and it's uh, it's a year where we're not. Um, I guess as talented as people make it out to be, but at the end of the day, I was sold on for 20 years that Bill Belichick is a genius. He's always going to go ahead and reload and always be in the picture. So that's just where I'm coming from with that. But the game itself, I wanted to get into some of the specifics. I was, I'll say this, I was thoroughly impressed with Cam Newton, man. I, the fact that he put up almost 90% of our offense, he, he, you know, combined both on the ground and in the air, he put up 440 yards and three touchdowns. I mean, this is shades of Cam Newton back in, in Carolina, right? Um, besides that, Julian Edelman was also great. He had eight receptions for 179 yards, and it looks like those guys were really clicking. Now, unfortunately, in my eyes, I think that is where the, the good the good storylines end, and there's a lot more bad than good out of this game. And and I'll start with the first one being the rushing attack. Uh, dude, the rushing attack is absolutely brutal. I think in total, between uh, Sony Michelle, Rex Burkhead, and J.J. Taylor, they ran for maybe, I would say, 22 yards. Now, a lot of that is because, you know, Cam will keep the ball himself and run, but it's starting to dawn on me that we really can't run the ball. Furthermore, my weekly uh, Nikhil Harry is a piece of shit segment has arrived, right? <laughs> oh, guy, man, you're going to bury him? He got lit up a few times. He still held on to the football. Listen, I swear to God, man, this guy, he, he had for most of the game only like, what, like four catches. He had three on the last drive and, you know, really made his numbers look better than they are. He had eight in total. But the guy still is not where we need to be, man. And, and and it sucks that we sit here as Patriots fan looking across the field and seeing what DK Metcalf is doing. I mean, the guy is absolutely torching Stephon Gilmore and looking like an all-world beater. And we thought we thought that's what Nikhil Harry was going to be. That's what we expected Nikhil Harry to be. So the guy, the guy still isn't there for me. Um, and it is what it is. But I think the biggest concern I had coming out of this game is the fact that we can't defend anybody, bro. It's been two weeks now, and this last game was pretty bad. Even Stephon Gilmore had absolutely no chance of stopping uh, Mr. Metcalf. So um, I- I'm concerned about the defense. Um, the front front seven is inconsistent with this pressure, and I thought our strongest suit was the secondary, but unfortunately they're, they're not playing that well either. Um, I think this defense has been Swiss cheese since week, uh, week eight of last year, and I truly have big fears of New England essentially losing to, to the Las Vegas Raiders this year, this week, because the Raiders can run the ball and they can throw the ball to Waller. And I think that's going to be a recipe for disaster for us. Now, we do know going into the game, Bill Belichick is going to take away what you do best. And I think Darren Waller is probably not going to have a big game. Well, let me, let me back up. The intention going into the game is going to be Bill Belichick is going to take away Darren Waller. 
in execution, I don't know if that's possible. And if Dan Waller can run wild, and then on top of that, Josh Jacobs is uh, running the ball very well, and somehow Derek Carr looks down the field and looks at rugs a couple times, I truly believe we're in trouble this week as well. So a lot is gonna a lot is gonna be told about this Patriots this this next week as well. Um, as of right now, I'm leaning Patriots just because we're at home. But listen, if the Patriots lose the Raiders, it's not a big enough as people make it out to be. Right. No, I'm I'm still going with I'm going with New England planning on rolling in this game because I mean yeah, yeah like the, if you just looked at the stats last night of what you know the the new Las Vegas Raiders did. I mean Derek Carr had three touchdowns. I think almost 400 yards through the air. But like a lot of that was him being checked down, Charlie. He took. He took one shot down the field to Henry Ruggs to draw a passing interference call, and I thought it was, you know, I should buy a winning lottery ticket because he never takes shots down the field. He's he's checked down Charlie. If, if he's gonna dump it to he's gonna dump it to the tight ends in the short route, he's gonna dump it to, to Josh Jacobs in the backfield. And the offensive line for the the Raiders had their way with a, a half asleep uh, New Orleans Saints defense. But uh, I, I really think that. They're just going to take away Darren Waller, and and they're going to make Derek Carr be a quarterback. And I don't think, even with this secondary that's been dinged up and had a lot of people with opt-outs in the defense as a whole for New England, uh, I just, I don't, I don't really see it. The the Raiders defense really doesn't scare you that much, despite what the score said last night. Um, A lot of that, I think, was just Drew Brees not really maximizing his potential. I'll get to that a little bit later on the takeaway. But I just I think Cam Newton and this rushing attack would is going to be in a spot to bounce back and possibly Rex Burkhead is going to be the lead back again this this following week. I, I I'm not scared by this defense at all. I think this team is overachieving in the Raiders and I I, I think New England's going to easily roll in this game. Do you know Do you know how many yards the the, the Patriots rushed for uh, without without Cam Newton's contributions? Twenty-one, um, 19 yards by Sony Michelle and two yards by Rex Burkhead on six carries. I think I think this offense is essentially Cam Noon, and that's about it, really, man. Um, you know, essentially the guy is our lead rusher for most weeks, well, two weeks uh, into the season already, and on top of that, he's the one that makes the offense go. I think that's a scary situation to have your quarterback have so much control of the offense and provide almost 90% of your offense on a weekly-to-week basis. So, especially with the, the injury history that Cam Newton has. So, it's going to be interesting to see how that pans out. Yeah, they were using Rex Burkhead out, you know, as a receiver a little bit more on the backfield, too. Um, I, I think you're just going to see a little bit more of that. Um now, like I said, the, the, the New England should roll in this game. If they don't, if they don't roll in this game, I would be more surprised than Las Vegas winning. Mm-hmm. And then after that, we got the Chiefs, man. So I think we got to win this game because it's not getting any any easier anytime soon. Mm-hmm. All right, sir. You uh, what's your storyline number one, sir? Oh God, let's let's all take a moment, bow our heads, and uh, and, and think about the the players that were obliterated uh, by the injury bug. Uh, on Sunday, um, it, it, it was just a complete rash. Uh, I did. I said this on my my little quick Instagram TV video uh, on our Pro Football Radio podcast page on Instagram uh, that it was just an absolute bloodbath. I mean, just through the one o'clock games, there was almost twenty injuries. Uh, leading the top of that that heap was uh, Saquon Barkley tearing his ACL. He's done for the year. Nick Bosa t- tore his ACL. He's done for the year. 
Christian McCaffrey has a high ankle sprain. He's out to out four to six weeks. Uh, Solomon Thomas of the 49ers, ACL tear. Paris Campbell is on injured reserve with a PCL injury. Uh, Devontae Adams, he kind of got lucky, has a, uh, a mild hamstring uh, issue. He might be a go against New, uh, New Orleans on Sunday. Jimmy Garoppolo is week to week with an ankle issue. Drew Locke has a shoulder injury. Like the, the list goes on and on, and it was it was one of the worst days I can think of in recent memory uh, for for injuries. And I I immediately two things because I have Saquon Barkley in fantasy football. Uh, so I spent the rest of the afternoon while I was working. Thank God it was slow in the office on Sunday. Um, I spent the rest of the afternoon working working trade ideas. I, you know, I, I put George Kittle on the block. I needed a running back, and I went to teams that needed tight ends, and I flipped George Kittle for Kenyon Drake. And I never thought I'd be so happy to lose in fantasy this week, but I have the top waiver claim, and I'm getting Christian McCaffrey's backup, and I'm just trying to attempt to salvage my fantasy roster. But everybody across the industry, you know, people, regular fans, people like us. Uh, that are doing fantasy football, their their teams have been obliterated by injury. And then in real life football, this is just going to adjust the, the landscape entirely uh, for for playoff implications, in my opinion. The 49ers were hopeful to repeat. I mean, even before this weekend, they were hit with the injury bug with Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk getting hurt. And now, I mean, they might have to start Nick Mullins at quarterback against the Jets. Uh, Brandon Ayuk is back, but there's no running backs, really, because they're all dinged up. They're bringing in people from off the street in the practice squad. The Giants have no running back right now. I think Devonta Freeman, at the time of recording, is slated to sign. It's it's absolutely brutal, and I reached out to front of the podcast our injury expert uh, Ali Bauer. She's a certified you know certified uh, you know athletic trainer. Uh, went to Texas Tech. You know you can go back and listen to previous episodes. And I just asked her just her opinion based on these injuries, and I sent her the whole list of Do you think that the lack of preseason and the lack of training camp uh, could be a contributing factor to the injuries. Now, I'm paraphrasing here, so Allie, if you're listening, my bad. But um, basically what I got from my conversation with her was the soft tissue injuries, like the hamstrings, like definitely that could be part of lack of ramp up and lack of training camp. Uh, a lot of these players was expected to be ready going into the season, but it really depends on how much motivation you have. You know this, I know this, it happens to fucking everybody. Uh, but like the ACL tears, the knee injuries, that's kind of, you know, it could be a freak accident. It could be because of not being conditioned. And and like some of the other stuff, like a rib injury that uh, Cam Akers has, like that's kind of a fluke. But in general, she is mostly of the school of thought that the lack of training camp is a contributing factor. And I think that this is kind of the, the big reason why your know, management, you know, management in the sense of team owners and head coaches want preseason is to avoid injuries like this at a monumental scale and it just reared its ugly head on Sunday. Well, we forgot the the point that um, I think most of these injuries are happening because um, we have a guy by the name of Greg Williams who's decimating the, oh, whole, here 49ers, we go. the whole 49ers team. <laughs> here we go. Conspiracy theory. I learned from the best, right? Throw some stuff against the wall and hope it sticks. <laughs> here we go. 
But listen, no, in all truth and honesty, man, uh, this is a severe problem for the NFL. You can't have star athletes going down like a Saquon Barkley or a Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, it's just not a good look for, for your league. I do think that the fact there was no preseason this year is probably a big reason why. At the end of the day, you know, preseason is meant to get you into good conditioning shape, and that's done by overstressing your body, letting it recover, overstressing it again, letting it recover. These guys are simply going, you know, from one day. You can't really simulate, you know, real NFL t- uh, in, in the preseason, and there's no preseason game. So these guys are going from essentially nothing to 100%, and in back-to-back weeks, you're seeing it. You're seeing that original stress week one, you know, and then the week two, you ask your body to do that again. And a lot of these injuries are coming up week two, you know? Yep, for sure. And it's like, I mean, dude, it's just it's just insane. Like the 49ers, like that defense doesn't scare anybody now. Nick Bosa's not there. He's done. Solomon Thomas isn't there. Uh, he's done for the year with the knee injury. Uh, going into this game, Richard Sherman was put on IR for a hamstring problem. Uh, the secondary, Witherspoon does not scare you. I, I this might be a game where the, the the Jets actually cover the point spread this weekend because there's really nobody in the secondary to stop anybody, despite the lack of weapons that the Jets have right now. Well, listen, I think the fact that um, Jimmy Garoppolo is not starting, I think the Giants have a legit shot of winning this. I would feel more comfortable if the Giants had Saquon Barkley and can run the ball and control the line of scrimmage and time of possession. But unfortunately, he's hurt, so that's why I still have the 49ers winning this. But if... If, if our boy Barkley was out there, bro, this would be one of those, you know, upset alert, maybe put some money down on the Giants, see what happens kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, but I don't know, man. Uh, I'm with you. I still think the 49ers win in this game. Uh, Kyle Shanahan loves himself some Nick Mullins. Um, he was, you know, asked a few times uh, to be trade, not him specifically, but teams were inquiring about trading for Nick Mullins and the 49ers shut that down immediately. So I think I think Kyle Shanahan has a little bit more confidence with Nick Mullins if he has to start on Sunday. Uh, we'll know a little bit more tomorrow on Wednesday when the practice reports come out. Uh, if Jimmy Garoppolo is able to practice, we'll have a good idea of his availability on Sunday. But I, I hope, uh, especially for fantasy football purposes, as selfish and stupid as it sounds, uh, but in real life football, just as a fan, like I, I don't want to see another Sunday where there's 20 plus people getting dinged up. And then there was additional people getting hurt in the, uh, in the Seattle, uh, New England game. I think a second, uh, the backup guy to Quadre Diggs that got ejected. He blew his knee out like three plays later because a, a teammate tried to get a, a, a late hit on a, on a Patriot uh, that was already down on the ground and he missed and he blew up his guy. So Nobody wants to see that shit. I hope I don't see it again on Sunday, but it's it's the NFL and it's COVID and it's 2020. I saw the perfect tweet, and then we can move on. I'll wrap it up on this. Uh, the Fantasy football, uh, fantantasy Life app, it's a free app. It, it covers all fantasy football, baseball, hockey, whatever. But they had the perfect tweet on Sunday, and they said that this uh, Sunday is the uh, 2020 version of, what, of like the NFL. Like This just sums everything up in 2020 right now. Yeah, man, listen, that makes uh, that makes complete sense, and let's hope these guys can stay healthy because at the end of the day, I, I don't want to see a league that doesn't have the stars out there. So we'll see. We'll see how it pans out. But, um, hey, we got Blake Bortles back. He, oh. He's signing with the Broncos, so Blake Bortles is alive and well. Well, that's that's great news, I guess. Woo-hoo. <laughs> yeah, no shit. But, anyway, what's, uh, 
your second point was Watson? Yeah, so let me touch on Deshaun Watson real quick, and this might be, I don't know, hot take you, controversial, or however you want to phrase that, but I let me pre- before you even start, let me preface this by saying that if you're already in the camp that Deshaun Watson is kind of a you know second tier quarterback, uh, kind of middle of the pack, but can get streaky hot, um, kind of in that realm of you know Ryan Tannehill or, or Dak, then this segment isn't for you, right? But if you're one of those people that you think that Deshaun Watson is in the top tier quarterback, and you know essentially you're thinking he's up there with the elites of the NFL. Um, then you're sadly mistaken. And, that, and that's something that I'm not saying as a slight because I also was sadly mistaken. For the most part, I thought this dude was, was legit, um, especially the fact that he's getting paid quite a bit of money right now. Whenever you pay somebody a ton of money, the expectations get ramped up to a different degree. Now, does he have a top two contract or is he the highest paid quarterback in the NFL like year to year? Uh, year to year, I think he is, he's Mahomes, definitely right? higher than yeah. Mahomes right now and next year as well too. Yeah. So listen, I was watching the Texans uh, get smoked by the Ravens last week, 33-16, um, and it wasn't even close. And it got me, it got you know it got me thinking uh, just about how bad the Texans have looked lately, right? We're talking about you know the blowout loss to Chiefs last year, the the loss to the Ravens this year, loss to the Chiefs in the beginning of the year, um, and it's one of those things where essentially if you take a lot of the fluff away from Deshaun Watson's numbers you know when he's beating up the the Jaguars the Bengals you realize he's not that great of a quarterback right at the end of the day his one and two playoff record and two division titles it's something more in line with Dak Prescott um, than it is with like a Patrick Mahomes or a a Deshaun or a uh, you know uh, Lamar Jackson and I started thinking about why Watson has underachieved so much. And a lot of people can easily point to, obviously, Bill O'Brien, the organization. And, you know, you can, but I think that wouldn't be painting the full picture. It'd be more lazier than actually looking to the, what the full story of uh, is happening with Deshaun Watson, right? So I, I will say this. At the end of the day, I do believe Bill O'Brien has had his fair share of bad traits. Um, and, you know, essentially, he's not the most perfect head coach, but there's far worse head coaches out there. At the end of the day, Bill O'Brien was able to surround him with talent, you know, with a J.J. Watt or a Clowney on, on offense, DeAndre Hopkins, Jonathan Joseph, Lemmy Tunsil, Lamar Miller over the years. I mean, you know, it's one of those things where the, the, the team isn't depleted of talent. But here's the real issue. I truly believe Deshaun Watson is caught up in this game of playing hero ball, right? Uh, he loves nothing more than that big play where, you know, he's patting the ball, patting the ball, looking for that deep home run threat instead of playing within the precision and structure of a Bill O'Brien system. You know, Tom Tom Brady ran that system in New England with Bill O'Brien where it's all about timing and accuracy. And that's just something Deshaun Watson doesn't like to do. Um, he, he's, he's, you know, he's making it unnecessarily hard on each play where he's not, you know, reading the progressions and going to where he's supposed to go to. Instead, he's pan panning the ball for, for the big home run. Now, I know a lot of people out there will disagree with me and, you know, it's something that's, I guess, controversial, but, you know, let me finish this by this. And I, and I put this question to you besides that, you know, big win against the bills, uh, last year in the playoffs, where I think it was more of a Josh Allen and the Bills collapsing than, you know, Deshaun Watson winning. I truly can't remember the last time Deshaun Watson had a big victory over a over a good quarterback or a big victory in general. I think the last time that he had a big victory was back in Clemson, and that's quite a bit of a long time ago, man. Yeah, no, we were talking about the soft line. Um, to answer that question, jeez, uh, win-wise... 
does not come to mind. I mean, really, everyone and myself, like, they'll cite the uh, the game where his rookie year, they went up to Foxborough and took New England and Tom Brady to the limit. Uh, and, and I think that if he didn't get hurt, he would have been... He would have averaged. He would have gotten at least ten wins for that team. But real quick, like your your comment on the hero ball aspect, you know, does that make Aaron Rodgers a bad quarterback? Because that's what made that's what made him great, especially in his younger years when he finally took the reins over. You know, in the structure of a Matt, uh, Mike McCarthy offense, like he, it was always the the hero ball and the Jordy Nelson special of waiting for him to go downfield. So I think that that's part of his game. He likes to improvise a lot, and you know the offensive line has improved somewhat, especially with finally signing Laramie Tunsil to a long-term deal. But in the years previous to that, that offensive line was a sieve. Uh, he had he had DeAndre Hopkins to check down to, but I mean. This season, off to a slow start. Billow the Clown was trying to make it a point to to show off his new toy, and David Johnson didn't take advantage of a depleted secondary for the Kansas City Chiefs, even though Will Fuller had a day. I think he had less than 10 catches, I want to say, between 6 to 8 receptions for about 100 yards, uh, no touchdowns. Um, but then... They, they just ran into a buzzsaw against the Baltimore Ravens this past weekend. The defense just rolled over and died. Uh, a guy got ejected from the game somehow. They, they quit. They let uh, Mark Ingram run in for a direct snap for a touchdown. Will Fuller was out for most of the game with a hamstring issue. He came back, but he was combat ineffective at that point. He didn't even log a target in the game. Um, so I'm, I'm not ready to write the obituary yet for Deshaun Watson. And, I mean, he, he has more playoff victories than Lamar Jackson right now, uh, for better or for worse. At least he has a win. Lamar Jackson, the last two years that he's been to the playoffs, he's been absolutely demoed in, in, the, in the games. So, like I said, I'm not ready to write the obituary yet. I think they're going to get the ship right. I would not be surprised if Bill O'Brien... Uh, took over offensive play calling from their new coordinator because the play calling has just been blah at best. Um, so uh, I'm I'm not hitting the panic button yet. I'm not writing his obituary yet. I think he still has a chance to achieve greatness. I, I have him as a top five quarterback in the league, and uh, and I expect him to, to remain there for quite a bit of time. Yeah, listen, man, listen, I'm sure most people are going to have that line of thinking, and it's, you know, obviously it's easy to point to the organization, but at the end of the day, that organization was able to get you two division wins. They were able to get some premier talent on that roster. Um, at the end of the day, the players do have to go out there and execute. You can only plan so much, right? Um, and, and I think it's it's going to be, I don't know if it's going to be this year, but you're going to start seeing um, a lot of the frustrations coming out from Deshaun Watson. I think you saw before this year even started. You saw some of those vague tweets that he sent out there, right? Um, but this is, you know, typical, hey, listen, I'm not getting what I want. Let me go ahead and put the blame somewhere else when he's really got to look, in, look at himself, man. I, I truly believe this this team can be great. This team could have beat the Kansas City Chiefs last year. I, I'll never be able to get over the fact that he gave up a 24-0 lead. And half of those throws that he threw to get that team, to get, let Kansas City back in, were behind people in the dirt. I mean, I'm just saying you'll see it eventually. Hopefully, I'm early to the party. And if I'm wrong, I'd be more than happy to admit it. But I, I truly cannot remember the last time I saw Deshaun Watson actually have a big game and win it. 
Eh, well, he's got more games on the horizon. I'm not ready to write his obit yet. And you know they're gonna they're gonna have a bounce back. We're gonna they're gonna have a chance to bounce back. They're gonna be playing the Pittsburgh Steelers that that barely held on to a Denver Broncos team that had a bad defense going into the game without Vaughn Miller and Brad uh, Bradley Chubb on a pitch count. Cortland Sutton was out of the game with a torn knee. Drew Locke left, uh, and they were taken to the limit. Uh, by the Broncos with the backup quarterback in, in uh, Driscoll, who laid an egg last year when he was filling in for Andy Dalton in, in Cincinnati. So if there was ever a time to right the ship, it is going to be this week. And based on comments that I heard uh, from Bill O'Brien uh, on, in regards to Will Fuller, uh, I think Will Fuller is going to be in line for a heavy workload this Sunday. I would not be surprised if he gets north of 110 receiving yards and possibly two touchdowns because he does have that rapport with Watson. And I think this is they're in a spot for a bounce-back game. Listen, I, I think they're going to end up losing to the Steelers, especially the fact that it's in Steeler land this, uh, this week in Pittsburgh. And I think that the defense can uh, cause havoc for Deshaun. Now, they probably will win again the Texans and the Jags, you know, those kind of crap teams two weeks after that. But then they have another tough test with uh, the Titans and Green Bay. So they got to start. They gotta really start stacking some of these wins. I know it's early, but they're last in the AFC South. I mean, it's only two games in, but you've got to start stacking some of these wins. And I just fear that with the slow start and just how sluggish and how bad Deshaun has looked, this might be a year where they might miss the playoffs. Uh, they might be a wildcard team at best at this point, but... Uh, again, too, like lack of preseason, lack of getting used to this new offensive coordinator and his scheme. It's going to take a little bit to work the bugs out. So um, if they go in, they lose, if they lose to Pittsburgh and then they lay an egg against the, the teams going up to Green Bay, and I mean, I personally think they could beat the Green Bay Packers because their defense doesn't scare you either, um, then I would start hitting the panic button on the season. But I'm not ready to at the moment. Yeah. That's cool, man. So we'll we'll kind of keep a we'll keep a, keep an eye on on the Deshaun Watson Texan storyline this year. But what's uh, what's your second storyline? <laughs> Since we're in the, uh, the the neighborhood of quasi burying quarterbacks here, um, I'm gonna talk about Drew Brees. Uh, we talked about Drew Brees a little bit last week uh, in the rundown going into the uh, the week two preview and watching. Monday Night Football last night, the the, the Raiders surprised uh, sports betters and fans of football in general by, uh, by, by really kicking the Saints in the teeth. And a lot of that was uh, stupid bonehead penalties on the defense. Uh, I think that defense may have been out partying last night because they looked lethargic at best. Sean Payton didn't have his A game going uh, with a brutal challenge call uh, that he was never going to win. Um, but then... Drew Brees, man, I mean, he he doesn't look good, and I've been saying this for a while. Uh, I, the end is near with Drew. Uh, I've been saying this for a bit now. He hasn't been pushing the ball down the field, and that was on blatant display last week, and it was on display uh, last night against the Raiders. Uh, he, he just looked bad. Like, this defense that the Raiders rolled out there didn't really scare anybody, and at one point, uh, Jonathan Abram, uh, their hard-hitting uh, safety for the Raiders, uh, he, he got knocked out by a TV boom truck and, and had to come back in, and he was the walking wounded, and, and they, they really couldn't take advantage of this defense, and, and he was just checked out Charlie the whole time. He, you know, Alvin Kamara had a huge game. I think he had like 100 receiving yards and two touchdowns. He bailed a couple of betters out. 
in the end. It's a fantasy football managers of Kamara, but he didn't look great. And through the last two games, uh, he's been averaging uh, 4.3 air yards. Uh, this was on Scott Van Pelt last night on SportsCenter. Uh, if you look over the last 15 years through this stretch, that is the lowest, the second lowest uh, air yard, uh, you know, tally. Uh, ahead, slightly ahead of Brett Favre, but just behind Derek Carr in 2017. He's not pushing the ball down the field. And I know a lot of this offense is schemed around Michael Thomas and the short slant routes, but I mean, Traquan Smith was running those same routes and he wasn't getting involved as much. Uh, he was missing Jared Cook a few times. Um, if you look at the last, uh, last two games, he's taken, I believe... 23 total shots down the field. Down the field meaning 10 yards beyond the line of scrimmage. He has seven completions during that time frame, three touchdowns, and one interception. Uh, now, I know math is new to people from New Hampshire like myself, but with 23 total shots and seven completions, that's, that's barely a 30% completion percentage. Uh, for shots longer than 10 yards down the field. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders is a deep threat, and he was completely neutered by this performance. And, you know, Bucky Bucky Brooks of uh, NFL Media brought up a great point that if Drew Brees is just going to keep doing check down Charlie stuff and keep things short within the field, defenses are just going to squeeze the middle of the field and make him take shots down the field. He's going to see a lot more man coverage, and, and, and that could be a huge problem for, for this team. Uh Maybe Michael Thomas deserves a little bit more credit than he gets in this offense. Uh, I'm starting to get increasingly higher on the panic meter for Drew Brees' arm. I mean, he is 40-something years old. Father time is undefeated. And this might be, this is probably the the, the end of Drew Brees. I, I, if he finishes off this season, I, he is not, I don't think he's coming back next year. And I, I think it might be time at some point to go to Jameis Winston. At least he can push the ball down the field. Yeah, listen, you bring up a good point. And since we're talking about Breeze, let's just jump into the New Orleans versus Green Bay matchup. I think we're doing good in the recording, so let's just kind of see it through. Um, in regards to Drew Breeze, man, listen, <laughs> I was I was shocked. I was shocked that they lost 34-24 last night to the Raiders on Monday Night Football. It, like, I think most of America was shocked because, you know, when you have a minus four as a lock trending on, on Twitter, you kind of get the sense that, you know, the, the New Orleans Saints are, are supposed to win this game. I'm sure you had a great laugh when you saw that as well, right? Oh, I died. I died. <laughs> and I avoided this game like the plague because I... I I didn't like what I saw out of Drew Brees. So there's no way I was putting money on this game. Absolutely not. But I did die. Twitter was hilarious yesterday. No, listen, I, I, I'm not at that point where you're at where you're ready to write off Drew Brees. But I am on high, high alert. Um, I'm essentially one week away to declaring he might be done as well. Um, and if I'm if I'm Haitian Houdat up in the Shire, I'm sure he's not having a good time. Have you talked to him lately about this? Uh, I haven't done a welfare check on him yet. I'll, <laughs> I'll do it after recording, yeah. but it, listen, it, it can't be good because he's seeing what I'm seeing. Listen, all right. So Sean Payne put this in in great words the other night after the loss. He said they played two weeks of average football, and we didn't expect this from the Saints. Now Drew Brees doesn't look good. But that, pe- but that defense also is having some issues as well, man. This is back-to-back weeks of giving up 100-plus yards in penalties. 
when you're giving up that much real estate, essentially letting the other team have the ball for that much longer, it, it kind of becomes an issue. But you are right. I, I am starting to see some issues with accuracy, some issues with power. Um, you know, one of those throws where he's trying to get the ball, you know, out of balance, it looked like he put every little piece of power he had behind it just to get it out of bounds. And truthfully, it's tough to watch, man. Um, I, I think I had the stat as well, the 4.2 air yards, you know, on pass yards, which is how long has the ball traveled in the air. And the fact that it's the lowest in 2009 is alarming, right? The question I need to be asked, is this simply as easy as Michael Thomas coming back and everything is fixed, or is this something really wrong with Drew Brees? I don't think he's been the same since that injury from last year. Ever since he came back with his little thumb injury, he hasn't looked the same Drew Brees. So the question can always be asked when a quarterback is this old, is far time catching up? And I think this this week against the Green Bay Packers, it's going to be a great litmus test because you, we know from the first two weeks, the Packers, you know, they're 2-0 and oh, they're just steamrolling people and it seems like they're going to put up, you know, 40 points easily. Yeah, they're playing cupcake defenses. We 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 could beat them. Like yeah, we could beat the that's, opposing teams. That, that's a, that's a good point. The fact that Minnesota and Detroit aren't the best, um, but you gotta start looking at some of the other things as well. The Packers do. I mean, they're running the ball fairly exact, uh, fairly effectively. At a, you know, Aaron Jones has 168 yards mm-hmm. and two touchdowns. And Rodgers, he threw for two touchdowns as well with four in Week One, so he's up to six. Um, you know, we're going to have to watch the Devontae Adams injury, which is something that we'll keep an eye on. Um, but I do believe that this is, with all the pressure coming down on the Saints and how, you know, lackluster they've looked, I do believe they're going to come out and win this game. Now, if they don't, I think that's where the alarm bells are going to go off. That's where most of the nation is going to be like, oh, shit, what's wrong with Drew Brees? Because that three, four-week window into a season is when I start making concrete decisions about a team. You know, four weeks and I have a good feel of who a team is. Um, I'm taking New Orleans here, but I'm not feeling good about it. I'll probably go with like, a, I don't know, 35, 31 or something like that. Yeah, no, I am I am not. No way. I think, I think that... Green Bay and pissed off Aaron Rodgers, still upset about draft day this year. Um, just based on everything that we saw, even with Devontae Adams, even if he misses this game, I, I think that they're going to demo this team, especially if Michael Thomas is not playing. Uh, th- there's no threat. Like There was one play in the first half, and I know it was nullified because of an offensive pass interference call on Jared Cook. But like, And even then, I thought it was a little ticky-tacky. But Cook was he was wide open on a penalty and Drew Brees still overthrew him. Like and that was at the ten yard beyond the line of scrimmage mark. I mean you they're just going to sit there, and they're going to tighten that box. And, and Emmanuel Sanders, the big free agent signing that was supposed to be the Robin to the Batman known as Michael Thomas, it's just going to be completely neutered. And it, it's just, what, what are you going to do? Just do checkdowns the whole time to Alvin Kamara? Like, the, I, I, don't, I don't see that panning out in the game. I, 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 think, I think Green Bay rolls in this game. I think they're going to go to 3-0. and And... I think you're going to see an increased call for a change of quarterback starting uh, next week if they if they don't take care of business. And that is on all sides of the football because, like you said, now like I said at the top, the, the Saints' defense was brutal, and they didn't do anybody any favors, and they were penalized the whole time. But, like, the game prior against Tampa Bay, they were penalizing that too, but, like, they still shut down – the and smothered the Buccaneers offense for the most part at least uh Mike Evans and that run game for a little bit so that is that's really concerning that that is and it's not like the schedule is going to get any easier for New Orleans they they got to right the ship quick but I don't think it starts this week 
Yeah. Cool. All right, let's jump into, uh, we already talked about the, the Packers and the Saints. Let's jump into some other big games from uh, from week three. So let's start with the Miami Dolphins versus Jacksonville Jaguars. Going down to Duval County. You excited about this game, bro? Uh, not really. We haven't won a Thursday night football. We being the Dolphins, we haven't won a Thursday night football game uh, since 2009. So I think it's just another chance for us to get, you know, embarrassed on national television. So I'm just going to watch it and drink copious amounts of whiskey. Listen, I, I feel the same way as you do. Uh, 0-2 Miami versus 1-1 Jacksonville. Like, yay. I'm so excited. You know what? The- I'll say this. I'll say this about Jacksonville. They are playing above their record because they've taken both teams to the limit in the last two weeks. Listen, Don't tell them they're tanking. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, I, I can't even fake enthusiasm, right? Like, I, I can't be excited for the battle uh, of bad QBs with even worse facial hair. Like, I mean, what are we talking about here, right? Uh, let's talk about Miami, right? So they lost to the Bills this past week, 31-28. And I'm not going to lie to you, man. I thought the Miami Dolphins were going to be better um, than what they've put on tape for the last two weeks. With all the defensive stars they bought in, like I thought that was going to be an upgrade. Um, and I thought they were going to be able to slow down Josh Allen, but he absolutely torched them. And he had 417 yards, was it, and four touchdowns or whatever the number was. But it was yep. absolutely ridiculous, man. But I think what I'm even more concerned about is the fact that they can't run the ball. They absolutely cannot run the ball. <laughs> we can't run the ball since last year. <laughs> you can't run the ball last year. I thought this year they brought in Brita and, you know, Jordan Howard. Brita ended up with seven carries for 37 yards. And then Jordan Howard had five carries for four yards. Uh, Who's this Miles Gaskin kids? Even whoever he is, he had 46 yards. I mean, these guys are not getting it done. Like, at the end of the day, I thought, you know, the defense itself, the Barton Stars, that could have been better. That didn't happen. I think the fact that the running attack isn't good either. Like, it, it's all the way bad right now. Um, I, I will say Fitzpatrick played decent. But then again, I mean, it's Fitzpatrick. He'll have a good week. He'll have a bad week. This week, he'll probably suck it up. Who knows anymore, right? Um, now, the Jaguars. I, I don't know what to make of them either, man. They're 1-1. One one. So I can't make any sort of concrete decision just yet. Um, yes, yes, yes. Trash Mania has looked good so far. Oh, you put respect on that name, Jay. <laughs> He's the fifth leading passer in the league right now. <laughs> Tra- you know, Trash Mania did end up with three touchdowns, 339 yards. Unfortunately, he made the game, you know, deciding interception against the Titans that kind of sealed the deal. Now, Listen, I don't really, I don't know why they insist on winning games, man. Just fucking lose. Go get Trevor Lawrence. Like, we don't want to see you trash many in the league. Let's get let's let's do this real with the Jaguars, man. At the end of the day, I like how hard Miami does play under Brian Flores. I think if there's anything that I can say about the Miami Dolphins in a complimentary way, I think they play hard for him. And I think they play two decent teams in the Patriots and the Bills. Um, unfortunately, the Jaguars are going to end up losing this game. I'm taking Miami 24-17. Oh, God. I'm a Dolphins fan, but just based on recent history... Like we've ne- we have not won a Thursday night football game since 2009. That's like the the earliest I can remember. But no, uh, here's the thing. And, and the issue with the running attack for Miami is this offensive line is still young and is still developing. And that's why I wasn't the biggest fan of the draft pick, uh, our second first round draft pick, uh, the offensive lineman out of USC. I much would have rather taking Andrew Thomas uh, at the uh, offensive line position. But, no, they're not getting any push on the offensive line. They're not generating any holes for Matt Breida and Jordan Howard to run through. Um, Devontae Parker was a little bit dinged up. But, 
I just I, I don't have any confidence in them winning the football game. Byron Jones is he may miss with a groin injury, uh, so it's really just going to be Xavier Howard back there and the rookie uh, rookie cornerback that they took out of Auburn in the draft this year. Um, and I think this could be the kind of the coming out party of Lavisca Chenault uh, for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, he he was a playmaker at Colorado. He can play out of the backfield uh, as a as a scat back a little bit. Uh, he's a big dude. He can run uh, you know on the outside of the formation. He can be used all over the place. And, and Jay Gruden, Jay Gruden, the head coach was bad, but Jay Gruden, the offensive coordinator, even going back to his Bengals days. Has been has been pretty effective, and and you've seen that the last two games with what Gardner Minshew and you know the the uh, the major league esque movie cast of football players that they have on the roster right now, uh, they're surprising people. Uh, don't tell them that they're tanking, even with the bad defense, they're still making noise and keeping this these games close. I I think they roll in Duval County. I think. Um, Gardner Minshew is going to have a good game, especially if Byron Jones sits. Um, DJ Shark might miss. He had a chest injury. But this this could be a huge breakout game for LaVisca Chanel and James Robinson, the running back that took over for Leonard Fournette. Uh, so I, I expect the, the Jaguars to win. Uh, right now the point spread is at their three-point favorites. Um, I, I think they're, they're going to cover for sure. Listen, uh, I'm going to go ahead and – Oh, fuck, I lost my train of thought. I was going to say. <laughs> Never mind. Let's move on. Uh, Los Angeles Rams versus the Buffalo Bills. This should be a good game. Uh, this should be a good teams. game. Yep, this is going to be the ultimate litmus test for Buffalo because mm-hmm. they've, they've played some pretty bad teams, and I love me some Josh Allen. There's been talk of he's he's a leading MVP candidate, and it's like, okay, all right, all right. Hang on a sec. He's, he, he's playing – He's playing the Dolphins, all right, and he's playing the New York Jets, all right? Like, this is going to be the litmus test for this Buffalo Bills team as a whole, on offense and defense. Yeah, listen, I, I think uh, I think you hit it on the head, man. Like, I think this is going to be the big test for the Buffalo Bills. But let's jump into the Rams real quick, man. I think the Rams are fully packed, bro. I think they Oh, have dude, for sure. They've been rolling. They've like, been absolutely rolling. They are looking they are looking seriously good, man. They took down the Eagles 37-19 over the weekend, man. And I like what I'm seeing from the office. I'm sorry, the offense. Like, you know, Sean McVay, he kind of went away from some of what made him famous last year. Like, you know, two years ago he had that crazy high-flying attack offense. But I'm liking the fact that the offense is playing, you know, he's switching it up with misdirections and tempo and play action. Like, he's really getting Goff as comfortable as possible so Goff can push push the ball down the field, man. Um, you know, Goff ended up with 267 yards and three touchdowns against the Eagles. But I think what I like the most about this offense is the fact that the ball goes to the open man. There's like no preconceived notion of where the ball should be. It's about where who's open, and that's where the ball goes. This past weekend, six players had two receptions or more, and then seven, play, seven players had rushing attempts. So, like, you can just see it's a team effort, and this team is playing good ball. On the other side, the Bills. They're 2-0. Yes, you know, that's, that's a great record. But just like you said, I'm not buying it just yet. I mean, they've won over the New York Jets and the Miami Dolphins. Probably two of the worst teams in all of football. Now, if they win this week and they look convincing against the Rams, I'm in. I am absolutely in. Stephon Diggs has done wonders for Josh Allen. Let's not, let's not overlook that before we get to the eye-popping stats of Josh Allen. I think Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen are on a different wavelength, and that's what's really making them successful. Josh Allen himself. 700 yards, 70% completion, and zero interceptions in the first two games. That's just that's eye-popping. Like, I, what else are you going to say about that? The guy is actually lighting it up. 
I believe a, a lot of it has to do with the fact that he's playing with, uh, against junior competition, but I think this week is where he can really step on the, the big stage and hopefully, you know, kind of cement himself as a legit MVP candidate if you take down the Rams. Um, I don't think it's going to happen, though, unfortunately. I do think the Rams are a better football team all around, and I think Aaron Donald is going to cause all kinds of havoc. Uh, for Josh Allen, um, it's going to be hard thrown against Jalen Ramsey, especially when he's covering Stephon Diggs. So I, I think this is going to be a little bit of a blowout. I think it's going to be like a 35, like a 21 kind of win. All right. Um, I'm going to go. I'm going to circle the wagons around the Buffalo Bills. I have them winning this game. Vegas is uh, calling it. Vegas is putting the Bills as two-point favorites. The over-under is at 47.5. I think the over is going to hit. I think the Bills are going to cover. Um, but... No, everything you said about the Rams is absolutely true. This is looking like the patented McVay offense from when he took the league by storm uh, with Todd Gurley. Just no Todd father in the backfield. Uh, Everybody seems to be clicking. I don't know if it coincides with half of the uh, receivers getting paid uh, within the last couple of weeks. But it's always a good problem to have, I guess, is... You're tying up a, a ton of money in wide receivers, but no, I think I think uh, I think Buffalo is in a good spot to win this game. I, I like their defense as a whole a little bit more. Uh, you know, Tre'Davious White, Tre'Davious White's going to be busy, but if Tremont Edmonds, uh, Tremaine Edmonds, and I'm forgetting the other linebacker's name, but he's pretty key on stopping the run. Uh, if they miss this game, because they missed last week against Miami, they they could potentially have their hands full. I'm expecting the Bills to win though. Um, and I think Josh Allen's going to go to 3-0. And at that point, if they win this week, then I will start buying the people coronating way too early MVP candidates. Because if he's able to, to ball out like he has the last two weeks against this high-flying offense, I would be thoroughly impressed for a quarterback that the jury's still out on whether or not he was even worthy of being a top-12 uh, pick by the Buffalo Bills as a quarterback. Nice, nice. Let's move on to the Dallas uh, Cowboys versus Seattle Seahawks, which should be a great game. Um, listen, Seattle, they're good. <laughs> Shocker, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Russell Wilson, great. Shocker, right? He, in my estimation, is the MVP so far. Uh, I believe the fact that he had, what, nine touchdowns in just two games? Um, I think he's the MVP so far. And I think it's a travesty. Um, that he has never received a single MVP vote. Uh, I think that is just insane. I don't know what that means. I mean, there there was those rumblings about, you know, essentially Russell Wilson not being part of the clique and part of the uh, the defensive unit where there was the Richard Shermans and the Michael Benson and all those guys, and he seemed like he's more of a company guy. I, I don't want to get into all that because that's kind of mucky, but I don't know if that has something to do with the fact that he's never received a single MVP vote as well. But I think that's going to change this year. I think he's going to win the MVP. He places the ball like where even great cornerbacks can't get them, man. Like when you when you see his balls, like they they go up so high and then they drop into the bucket in front of the wide receiver, and that ball placement is what the what the greats really do, right? At the end of the day, when you get to the NFL as a quarterback, you can definitely sing the ball as hard as you can, but that little that little placement of you know, hey, in front of the wide receiver or to the back shoulder where the cornerback can't get it, that's what makes the great uh, the great quarterbacks into you know elite uh, Hall of Fame worthy um, quarterbacks. Unfortunately, the issue with the Seahawks is, man, the defense has had some issues the first two weeks. They've given up both big points and both big yards, both to the Falcons and the Patriots. They gave up, uh, what, 440 yards to Cam and then 450 to Matt Ryan. I mean, that's that's got to be alarming, especially with the fact that they have so many injuries. And it didn't happen, you know, and it got even worse this past weekend. So we'll see if that if that's something that, that, that can cause uh, more issues against Dallas. Now, I think 
on Dallas's end, there's definitely some trouble in Big D as well, man. Like, if there wasn't that miracle comeback against the Falcons, man. This Can team... we talk about the Falcons real quick? Let's talk about them. Did, did everybody forget on the hands team what the rules are for an onside kick? That's bad coaching, bro. Simply put, that's Dan Quinn not having his guys prepared at the end of the day. Even even if you didn't practice that exact scenario in, in, in practice, you had a timeout. You had some time to talk before that uh, onside kick. Like, You've my drill. God. you got to drill into those guys. Jump on the ball, man. Like, that's just basic coaching 101, man. Like, there's five people standing around looking at it. Like, Cam Newton made a better attempt in the Super Bowl to go after a fumble. Like, it was it was brutal. Brutal against what the Falcons did, and the, the, you know, I'll get off the Falcons bandwagon. We can finish the game preview, but the Falcons have been like they've been trash, and and, and you know what? I've I've been a, a, a Matt Ryan defender and a Dan Quinn defender at certain points last year, but this is an utter embarrassment by a professional football team. I, last week, the game plan, Raheem Morris, the, the defensive coordinator for the Falcons, after the loss to Seattle, after they finally let Russell Wilson cook, he came out and said in a press conference that, oh, we didn't plan on him throwing the football, we just planned on him running. Really? Like, I know he doesn't throw the football that much, but you didn't even account for him to possibly drop back and throw the friggin' football down the field? Like, that that was a joke. And the performance last week, blowing that ginormous lead and blowing that, that, that onside kick coverage, if I'm Arthur Blank, I, I I would fire everybody. I would fire everybody and, on that coaching staff and, and roll and, and roll the dice with people off the street because I guarantee you that people off the street would be able to do a better job of coaching people and getting ready and getting players ready for uh for, for simple things like an onside kick coverage. Absolute embarrassment by a professional football team on Sunday. No, I think you're spot on, man. I wouldn't have let Dan Quinn back on the aircraft to go back home to Atlanta. I think I think the team hasn't been the same ever since they gave up that leash to the Patriots in the Super Bowl. And, and I think you've got to see it for what it is. You've got to get rid of him now, man. If, if, if it's not now, then when, right? Like you're squandering, you're squandering Julio Jones. You're squandering the last couple of years of Matt Ryan. You're squandering Calvin Ridley and a Russell Gage that's emerging. Like what? Like what? What are we doing? In the words of Taylor Twelman, what are we doing? Well, the, the worst part is, man, we know they're a good football team. They can put up points. They can put up you know yards um, on defense. They can show flashes of good defense. It's just the mental blunders and the fact that you don't have the resiliency to see a game through is what's the biggest issue. And that simply comes down to coaching. That simply comes down to your coaching staff putting your players in the best possible situation to win and be great. And essentially, that's what the coaching staff is lacking at right now. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you this much. If they have another performance, them being the Falcons, like they did last week, uh, who, who are they playing? I know we're not even doing a preview of them. But, like, if they if they lay an egg against – who the hell are I'll they playing? Falcons schedule. It's the uh, W Bears. If they lay an egg against Mitchell Trubisky – that's it, dude. Uh-uh. Hey, no way. Two and zero Bears, bro. <laughs> yeah, two and zero Bears against the, the Trubisky almost threw the game away uh, against the Giants. I no, no. If they lose to the if they lose to Chicago, it, uh-uh. If I'm Arthur Blank, well, I'm I'm breaking glass in case of emergency because we hit the iceberg at this point. Listen, at the end of the day, if if the Falcons didn't choke and the Dallas Cowboys went down 0-2, the sky would be falling right now. The Dallas Cowboys, I truly think there's some big trouble here, man. Um, mm-hmm. I, listen, I think the offense is fine. I think Zeke is running strong. A couple of fumbles here and there, that's an issue. But I think Zeke is running fine. I think he looks good. I think Dak is playing well as well. I think the biggest issue is this defense can't stop 
anybody. This defense can't stop the run attack. They've given up, on average, uh, 139 yards uh, in the first two weeks. So that's their biggest issue is they can't get off the fucking field because uh, that uh, you know essentially they can't get they can't get a turn they can't get a turnover they can't get you know essentially any way of getting the ball back to their offense. So I, I'm gonna go ahead and take the uh, the Seattle Seahawks here. It's gonna be stupid of me not to take them. I think we're looking at a one and two Dallas team and a three and zero Seattle team. All right, uh, Vegas is calling this uh, Seattle as a four and a half point favorite. The over under is at fifty five and a half. I'm going to be the psycho. I'm going to ride the cowboy bandwagon only, only because I have a little bit more faith in the defense of Dallas than I do with Seattle. Uh, Bruce Irving went down with the torn ACL, and you know what? Let's call it for what it is. The, the the big free agent, not free agent, the big offseason acquisition, I should say, for Seattle. They traded they traded a king's ransom for Jamal Adams, who is great inside the box. He's great against the run. He will destroy a quarterback on a safety blitz. But against a really mediocre at best uh, aerial attack for the New England Patriots, he was friggin' brutal in pass in pass coverage. He was absolutely brutal. Uh, he got burned. Uh, uh, he got burned by a banged up Julian Edelman that may or may not have been like on one leg and had like his neck almost broken in half on a on a fall in the end zone. I mean, he he was brutal in pass coverage. And this team, the one thing that Dallas can do really well, short of running the football with Zeke, is they have plenty of weapons on the offensive side of the football through the air with CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup. And I think that this secondary could possibly be eaten alive by by Dak Prescott picking this team apart. Uh, so um, I'm going to go with Dallas and, and probably going to bite me in the ass at that point. But I'm going to take uh, Dallas four and a half. Give me the points. And I, I think this is going to go over. I think you're going to see a 60 total. Uh, so if you're a psycho like me and you're going to jump on the 55 and a half now, I would definitely do that before the line moves. Man, so many good games, man. That's what I love about the NFL so much. We got the Packers and the Saints. We got the the Cowboys and the and the Seahawks. Even even the game that I'm going to be uh, you know keeping an eye on the the fucking Patriots and the Raiders. Who thought that was going to be a great game, right? Mm-hmm. But the king of the kings, the best of the best. Kansas City, Baltimore, Monday Night Football. Can you wait for that, sir? Jay, I was just going to say, I was going to be like, I'm, I'm apologizing if I'm going to step on you, but I, I'm telling everybody at work that when 6 o'clock hits, I'm out the door. And if the building is burning down, I don't care. I am coming home. I am watching this football game. This is probably going to be one of the best games of the season. Uh, you have... Former MVPs going at it. You have two buzzsaws going at it, even though Kansas City had a little bit of a scare last week against Justin Herbert and the Chargers. But no, dude, this is going to be this is going to be an amazing game to watch. It's going to finally be in Baltimore on the Mars home turf. Let's see if he can, you know, take a win in the rubber matchup because it's going to be the third time that they're playing each other. And uh, I'm I'm freaking excited. And I think this game could go either way. Like not even on a betting perspective, dude. I think I, I think it's really too close to call. I, I think really uh, the point spread to me should be a pick'em at this point. I don't think it should be a three and a half point spread. Uh, I expect the point total to come not point total, but the point spread to come down a little bit as we get closer to game day. But I am freaking excited. Listen, I'm, I'm stoked, man. I am absolutely stoked. You know, you know, what? I might come over and watch that game with you, bro. Yeah. Oh, absolutely! Come on by. Um, all right, listen. This is what the NFL is all about, bro. I cannot wait for this. Dude, I'm getting goosebumps talking about it right now, man. I gotta wait. I gotta wait. Listen, uh, so listen, Casey, Kansas City, they won last week in OT against the Chargers. They squeaked by. 
They they got scared. And they got the, scared. I don't think we have. I don't think we have time. You know what? Let's. Buy, I we have time. Fuck it. What am I talking about? There's no time. We just, I just ranted on Atlanta Falcons for ten minutes. We can talk about the Chiefs Chargers game. I love Justin Herbert, man. I absolutely love everything I saw out of him. He had me when he ran to the sideline, put his shoulder down. Took a hit from the defensive end that was probably 60 he pounds heavier than him. And he popped up quicker. And the fucking uh, defensive end had no... He was, I think he was lights out. I think He, he, was, he was knocked hurt. out. He went out. Dude, he was out Justin for most Herbert of the game. Herbert laid the fucking wood on a defensive end. And you, can, you don't expect it because, you know, it's a... It's a California-looking white dude. Like, I mean, how's he going to take down? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I love what I saw out of Justin Herbert, man. Uh, he had one bad, horrific throw where he's rolling out, threw across his body. You can't do it in the NFL. They yeah. could have easily won that game if he had more experience. And the fact that you're thrown into that fire against Kansas City and the and Patrick Mahomes, you know, literally without even having – literally not with, you know, with the expectation that Tyra Taylor was going to be playing and you weren't, I, I think that speaks just tremendously to his poise and who he is. I was pleasantly surprised. I – Hope the Chargers don't make the dumb mistake of going back to Tyrod. I don't understand what these coaches... I don't understand what the thought process is. I don't understand why you got to baby these quarterbacks and take in the first round. Same thing with Brian Flores in Miami. Same thing with fucking, you know, Justin Herbert and, and Tyrod Taylor and that whole situation. Throw them out there. If they can't handle it, they're not meant to be an NFL quarterback. But that's neither here and there. <laughs> Getting back to the Chiefs. I think what I took away from the win is the Chiefs are not just a Patrick Mahomes better win in the offense, better put up some points. Like, this is a whole complete team effort now. This is what's getting really scary about the Chiefs, man. It was the defense and the special teams that essentially closed out that 2017 win over the Chargers. Defense forced a three and out in overtime, and the kicker nailed 350 yarders in 90 seconds, man. Um, mm-hmm. And that's not fair when you keep, you know, it's not fair that you keep, you know, Patrick Mahomes to a pedestrian game and they're, you know, the other strong units kind of, you know, take uh, take up the mantle and, and bring your victory. So it's trying to get really scared with the fact that Kansas City is, is that good. But on the other end, the Ravens, oh, my God, like, I, I don't know what to say. The Ravens demolished Houston. We already talked about Watson and his issues. But the Ravens are unfair right, man. This is, this is like unfair Madden. I'm a critic team. With like 90s all across the board, right? Mm-hmm. Colin Cowherd, your favorite boy. Oh, God. Made a stupid prediction in the beginning of the year. And it's still dumb. And I don't believe it. Because he said Baltimore can go 16-0. and And I laughed at that. I truly laughed at it. But after watching back-to-back weeks of you demolishing two very talented rosters with the Browns and, and uh, the Texans. Like, I'm not saying it's going to happen. But I see where the logic is coming from, you know? The run game itself, like they're probably 230 yards. Great, right? Lamar Jackson, he threw for 75% completion rate on his throws. Great. The defense smothered Watson, and like they scored as well. Like I can't gush anymore about these about these uh, about this team. I think I'm leaning towards Baltimore just because they've been more dominant over their first two games. Uh, like I saw a couple things I didn't like out of that Kansas City uh, Chargers game, but truthfully, it's a toss-up, dude. We don't know what's gonna happen. I'm gonna roll with the Ravens because on their home turf and they look more more dominant, 35-31. But dude, I can't wait for Monday night. For sure, no, uh, dude. I, I I don't know, man. I'm torn. Like I said, this this should this. This is probably going to end up as a pick'em or close to a pick'em by by kickoff on Monday, uh, but no, I mean I'm with you. And to the point of the Chiefs' defense, like they're winning with the on the defensive side of the football at times. With you know they don't they're not at full capacity. Bashard Bashard Breland is suspended. He he's not coming back for at least a couple more games, and they're making do without him. Tyron Matthew is flying around doing Tyron 
honey badger things. Uh, it, this offense is scary. Um, I think we're going to see an all-hands-on-deck approach for the Baltimore Ravens. I wouldn't be surprised if J.K. Dobbins found his way into the end zone a few times uh, like he did against Cleveland. Um I'm with you though, dude. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna roll with Baltimore, but I I think Kansas City might cover the point the point spread the three and a half. I, I think that I it's gonna be close. I don't think it's gonna be. I don't think they're gonna lose by more than four points. Dude, I can't wait. Can't wait. I'm coming over. I'm coming over on seven ish. We'll we'll hit a cigar action up real quick and then we'll watch that game. How about what's your Oh, dude, I'm gonna I'm gonna be speeding uh speeding out of work. I'm gonna be running out of the buildings. Six o'clock is gonna be six o'clock on Monday. That that <laughs> that is it. And if that raises some eyebrows, I will be dealt with on Tuesday. I don't care. <laughs> Um, all right, man. Anything else we want to get to? That's that's at the end of the the game previews. Nah, that that's really it. I think we covered everything, and uh, we were able to bury the Atlanta Falcons in the process. So I think I got everything done on my end over here. Same here, man. Listen, uh, same time next week, same channel. Brandon, the Puma Silva, and Jay Chima coming at you. Yes, sir. Uh, you can find this episode and previous episodes of the Pro Football Radio podcast on Spotify, SoundCloud. Google Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, YouTube under Pro Football Radio Podcast or in certain aspects it might just be Pro Football Radio. I have to double check because I subscribe and download <laughs> to my own podcast. Uh, but Facebook, Instagram, you can find us, Pro Football Radio Podcast. Twitter, at PFR Podcast. I'm on Twitter, Brando underscore Puma. My compadre, uh, my foxhole buddy over here, Jay Chima, is at Jay Chima. Uh, like, subscribe, download, follow us on social media, hit us up with your questions, DM us. We want to get to everything that you guys got. And uh, I can't wait to talk about the week three takeaways and week four game preview next week. Awesome. Well, that is all I got. Enjoy week three, fellas. I uh, hope you guys uh, you know, enjoying as much as we do. We're so glad it's back. Uh, football's back. You know, it's fall. It's starting to get crisp outside. I went and I got my little candle that smells like cinnamon and apple for the whole house. It smells like it's a pumpkin patch. I can't wait. I think I can't wait. That's great. Best time of the year. <laughs> See you guys next week. Peace.